He was his dad's best friend. Fibble probably heard the stories of what a great warrior David was. He, he probably heard about how he defeated that terrible giant Goliath. He probably sang the song, Saul killed the thousands. Saul killed the thousands, and David killed the tens of thousands. I mean, I imagine his pajamas having a big D on the front of him, and him having the David and Goliath poster maybe on his wall. Yeah, getting the picture here. In his, in his little world, surely David the superhero would be kind to him. But at five years old, so much is out of your control. And so other unlikely things begin to unfold because it would have been customary in this day that when a new monarchy rose to power, the old monarchy would have to be destroyed. And with everyone else dead, Mephibosheth would be next to line in the throne for those responsible for him that made him a threat and he would be viewed as a threat to King David that was their perception so now look 2nd Samuel chapter 4 verse 4 what your bible say here Jonathan son of Saul had a son who was lame in both feet he was 5 years old when news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel his nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was, what? Mephibosheth. Yeah. <laughs> I heard some very interesting pronunciations there. Nice try. Yeah. Look at this. There, were, there was no time to take care of the injury. There was no time to set, set the bones, reset the bones. This boy would be crippled for life. Have you ever had a Mephibosheth moment? I mean, you're just minding your own business, doing your own thing, when suddenly your health is stripped away from you? I mean, you're, you're just minding your own business, you're, you're doing your own thing, when someone you deeply trusted does you great harm, whether by choice or by accident? I mean, you're just sitting there doing your own thing, when a relationship that was going to take you to the distance comes crumbling down. Have you ever had a Mephibosheth moment? And for Mephibosheth, oh man, we're going to get some real dangerous words here. For, <laughs> for Mephibosheth, years go by, nothing changes, he doesn't get healed, he doesn't get help, he's just going to be broken and find himself in hiding. But that's not the end of his story because then a really unlikely thing happens. And this is where we have to go to chapter 9. If you want to turn there in your Bibles. Chapter 9. Just one day in the palace, David asked, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? What? Wait a minute here. David doesn't want to kill off the old monarchy. He wants to bless it. Why? What's happening here? Well, you have to understand the context of the story. David had once made a promise to Jonathan. Jonathan knew that David would one day be king. He knew that was God's desire 
So they made an agreement. No one else knew about this agreement. And Jonathan, David's best friend, asked him, Hey, when you become king, would you please be kind to me and to my family? And David's response was glorious. He said, Absolutely. I promise to show kindness to you and to yours. David made a promise and he fully intended to keep it. And so now we go from chapter 4, where Phibbo is five years old, to chapter 9, when he's no longer a child. And right here, David remembers the promise. So he does a little bit of research, and you can read the text later. He finds one of Saul's old servants. It's a man named Ziba. And so he questions him, and when he does, Ziba, probably still trying to protect young Phibo, simply says, Phibo, in chapter 9, verse 3, he says, There's still a son of Jonathan, but he's lame in both feet. Don't you worry about him, David. He, he can't threaten you on the throne. He's not even qualified. He's just lame. And that's how people talked back then. Today, this would be politically incorrect. We really don't understand it because today we have building codes. Today, we have handicapped parking. We have wheelchairs. We have accesses, ramps, other things to help these people get where they need to get. But back then, they were nothing more than a burden to be dealt with. David, you don't need to waste your time with him. He's lame. But David has great intentions. Just look at verse 5. It says, so King David had Phibbo brought from Lodabar, from the house of Makur, son of Emil. I'm going to give you three definitions of grace this morning, and right here I want to give you the very first one. It's this. It's about full acceptance it's about a positive action that's done on behalf of someone who has nothing to earn, earn it and nothing to deserve it. In fact, we should push it just a little bit further and say, on behalf of someone who can't do anything to earn it and can't do anything to deserve it. The place that David pulls him from is very important in the story. Lodabar, it means pastureless literally means the place of no bread it's dry it's desolate it's in the middle of nowhere but for those concerned it's safe and this is what David rescues him from in fact let's take it a step further and let's cross-reference the story to first chronicles chapter 8 and what we discover there is that his name wasn't always Mephibosheth at one point, it was Mirabal, which was a, a royal name. It meant conqueror of false god, conqueror of, of the Baals. And somewhere along the line, we don't get all the details of the story, his name was changed to son of shame or shameful thing, an object to be dealt with. Now, let's put this all together. Five years old, he's lost his father, he's lost his grandfather. 
He's lost his uncle. He's uncles, I should say. He's lost his home. He's lost security. His legs are broken. He's suddenly crippled for life. He's moved to a barren land, a land of no bread, and he's given a different name from a royal name to a name that means shameful thing. It's an unlikely series of events. And many years go by. By the time we get to chapter 9, He's no longer a kid. Suddenly, a contingency from the royal palace comes knocking on your door. This is not a good day. This is a day you've been warned about your entire life. You are a fugitive, and the king that you're hiding from has now found you. But then an unlikely thing happens. Again, another unlikely thing. And here you find yourself standing before the very one that you have been taught to fear your entire life. Look at verse 7. Talking to Phibbo. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will eat, you will always eat at my table. Verse 8, Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Has anybody ever felt forgotten? Has anybody ever felt worthless? Has anybody ever felt unworthy, demoted, devalued, inadequate? Has anybody ever felt rejection? And here stands Mephibosheth before his greatest fear, and he discovers all his fears were wrong. He's been told that everything he's been, that's been programmed into his brain his entire life from the age of five has been wrong, and all those negative thoughts were absolutely wrong. And now he stands before this judge, the one that's been being concerning him, and what does he receive? Not cursing, he receives blessing. And this takes us to our second grace definition. All those in hiding are pursued for the purpose of being blessed. It's a promise kept. Friends, I'm afraid that far too many of us find ourselves trapped in the land of Lodabar. That's right. In Lodabar, we're believing all the lies, being reminded of where we blew it, where we got it wrong. Thoughts of, if I get found out, I'm in trouble. If people really knew what I was like, they, they wouldn't like, like me. I'm dead, or I wish I was dead. I hate myself. And in that place... We refuse to be honest with those who care about us most for fear of how they might respond and fear of what they might say. It's a desolate place. It's a place of condemnation. It's a place of fear. It's a place of guilt. It's a prison that feels like there's no way out. It's isolation at its max. And at this point, David turns to Ziba, Ziba the one who helped him find Phibbo in chapter 9, verse 9, and he tells him that he's giving Phibbo all of his grandfather's land. Now, just think about that a moment. This isn't some small plot. I mean, this is 
all of the king's land, his, his full inheritance. And, and you, Ziba, you and your servants, you're going to help him manage it. You're going to help him to keep it productive. Now look at verse 10. David said, And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, you will always eat at my table. Look at verse 11. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Third definition of grace. To be taken from the place of desolation and given a place at the king's table. How unlikely from the age of five, this boy has known nothing but defeat, nothing but tragedy, and now, now all of a sudden, everything that was turned upside down is turned right side up as much as is, is possible. It's a beautiful story. It's a story of, of restoration. Does anybody like happy endings? <laughs> yeah? All right. Not sure? You're not sure? Does anybody like happy endings? <laughs> <laughs> I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. It's the place where all injustices are made right. It's the place where everything that was taken away is being restored. It's, it's the place where, me personally, because of the way I am wired, I just want to stand up and shout, Hallelujah! Awesome! Yeah! We love it when the underdog wins, and we cheer, and, and, and we cry. A young mom just is really messed up, making bad choices. So grandma steps in. She's going to raise the kids, and she's going to labor in order to provide enough to supply for the needs of those kids. She feels alone. She feels forgotten. She feels as if, does anybody care? And then all of a sudden, a community of people move in, and they begin to help her and meet her needs with a commitment that as long as it takes, we're going to do whatever it takes until this dear grandma is able to get back on her feet. And help those grandkids. It's grace. It's Mufibosheth. <laughs> I shared with you how much I just love the movie Lion. Still would encourage you to go see it. it, it it's a story of a five-year-old Indian boy lost in the streets of Calcutta. Thousands of miles from home. Being exposed to awful things. Unimaginable things when at last he's rescued because a couple from Australia adopts him as their own son. 25 years later, he's able to travel back home to be reunited with his mom. Restored. It's grace. It's Mephibosheth. And do you know why we like these stories so much? If we're honest... Every one of us is a Mephibosheth. We are. I mean, we were created to love God and enjoy Him forever, but it all got messed up through a series of unlikely events. 
That's right. The Bible says this. All have turned away. All have together become worthless. Dead dogs. But that's not the end of the story. There's really good news. There's other unlikely events that we need to see and and embrace. The good news is we are not forgotten. In fact, we are being pursued. The Bible says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And through Christ, every one of us is invited to the king's table. Would you join me at the king's table? I want you to notice at the king's table, no one could see Mephibosheth's legs. They were covered at the table. He sat there just as any of the other of the king's sons. And by the grace of God, the shed blood of Jesus and his suffering and death on the cross and his resurrection, all of your brokenness is covered. Will you embrace it? Will you embrace the gift? Jesus said these words, Just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now give you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. That's right. Are you still in hiding, afraid of how the king might receive you? He's got some really unlikely stuff in store for you. He loves you. He wants to bless you, and he's been pursuing you. Let me give you those grace definitions one more time. God accepts you right where you are. In your hiding, he's pursuing you. He wants to restore you and give you a place at his table. And to all who will, he says, come. He's knocking. Don't be afraid. Open the door and receive him on this day, Mother's Day 2017, with great joy and gladness. Will you pray with me? Just say these words. Father God, What is it that you're wanting me to hear from this message today? And then in response, what will you say?